You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Hey guys, uh, we are starting a brand new series this weekend. We're going to be going for the next several weeks uh, on a series through the Hall of Faith, which is Hebrews chapter 11, looking at different people who believed God's word and walked with God. And so here's the theme of our series. I want to welcome those of you guys in Olathe, in Overland Park, at the venue and auditorium and online. Here's the theme for our series. It's believing the Bible, believing the Bible and following Jesus can look foolish. Like when you say, I believe the Bible is the word of God, or I believe what the Bible says here, or, or and, you follow Jesus, that certainly can look foolish to people. We saw this last week, by the way, when we covered Easter 2,000 years ago. Paul was traveling around the Roman Empire, meeting these non-Jewish people, these Jewish people. What the non-Jewish people would hear, would say when they heard the story of Jesus, there is one God He was born a Jew in this world, came incarnate as a Jewish person. God worked as a carpenter. God quit his job as a carpenter, lived a sinless life. God, in Jesus, died on the cross for your sins, rose again from the dead. When they heard it, the word they thought of was the word foolish. That's 1 Corinthians 1, verse 23. Paul writes, but we preach Christ crucified, the Messiah crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block. And to the Greeks... The non-Jewish hearers of Paul, foolishness. When you believe the Bible and follow Jesus, it can look foolish. I have a story I just got on Tuesday of this week of somebody following Jesus and doing something that you might actually think is foolish. So the story comes from a, uh, somebody who's part of Grace Church. They're a grandparent, a widow. They've been widowed. They're on a fixed income. And they had this moment when they followed Jesus, and you might think, that is foolish, So here's what they wrote on on Tuesday. Hey, Tim, six to eight months ago, a gentleman walked into Grace, and I gave him a tour, told him all the reasons that this would be a good church for him and his girlfriend. They started coming to Grace, and they're in a small group now. About six weeks later, so I've not known this person terribly long, he was telling me what a difficult time financially they were having. Here comes the weird, foolish moment. I had this overwhelming sense that I was supposed to pull out my checkbook and give them some money. Now, I don't usually do this kind of thing, so it seemed a bit of an out-of-body experience. But I pulled my checkbook out and wrote them a check for $1,000. And I had no doubt or remorse. I just knew I was supposed to do it. That story alone, by the way, does that sound foolish? I had this sense from God, this is the follower of Jesus, that Jesus wanted me to give money now to somebody. It happened again. A few weeks later, a lady friend of mine, unemployed, applying for job after job, not getting hired. We're both praying for months for this. Again, I had this overpowering sense that I was supposed to help her financially. So I did another $1,000 check. No doubt Remorse. Again, fixed income, been widowed. Um, right now, that just sounds incredibly foolish to some people. In fact, you might be here, maybe you're online, like, that is dumb. That is foolish. 
Um, some of you are also saying this. Why, why, why? Why wasn't I there? Because I could have got $1,000. Um, they went on to say, by the way, that in my message two weeks ago when I taught about uh, giving in the Bible, that divides giving into tithes, offering, and alms, this person said, aha, alms. Alms is what that's called. Jesus was prompting me to give to people in need that I know. That's what God was doing. But they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus, heard Jesus, followed Jesus. And then they realized, again, this doesn't always happen, but they did their taxes. And they said, I found out I'm actually going to get back $2,120. I guess God gave me all my money back plus 120 in interest. Uh, I have to give God credit. I'm still amazed by it. Again, this doesn't always happen, but it happens often enough that God gives you little way markers once in a while that he is Lord of your life. Guys, when you believe the Bible and you follow Jesus, it can look foolish. And so we're going to study through Hebrews chapter 11 the next few weeks. And, and we're going to look this week at a man named Enoch. And here is the area of faith of believing God, believing God's word that he actually dealt with, walking with the invisible God. Walking with the invisible God can look foolish. When you walk through life uh, with the invisible God, um, it absolutely can look foolish. So you, you talk to an invisible God. Is he in the room now? Can you hear him? It sounds a bit crazy, doesn't it? But God is real, and he's alive, and he's around. Those of you who walk with Jesus, like, no, he's there. He's here. He's there. He's He's all around you. He loves you. And one of the greatest things of life is to cultivate a relationship with the invisible God. And though the haters say it's foolish, let them hate. Because you know he's alive. And so we're going to talk about that today, Enoch's life. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would open up our eyes to Enoch, his story, how it relates to our story. Help us to see how every single person today can begin believing your word. And begin this life of seeing the invisible God walking with you throughout our day. We pray you'd work in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, turn to Hebrews 11. We begin our series now. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. The writer of Hebrews begins by comparing blind faith to biblical faith. Blind faith. Blind faith is faith without reason, without logic. That's not what we have. Biblical faith is based on two things. Substance and evidence. It's not blind faith without reason or logic. Look at this in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So the word substance there, faith is the substance of things hoped for, can be translated person, the person under it. Jesus Christ is the person, the confidence of things you look forward to, the evidence, the word translated trust, the trust in the invisible things not seen. Blind faith, no reason or logic. I just believe. Biblical faith, substance, evidence. Verse 2 talks about the rest of the chapter. Verse 2 says, for by it, by faith in God's word, the elders obtained a good testimony. Now, the elders they're referring to are people who are spiritual ancestors before, like in the Old Testament times, the writer of Hebrews plucks off like 20 to 30 men and women, names them or tells their stories. Their good testimony was God's witness that this, these are men and women who believed me and believed my word. 
So he places their story in this hall of faith. We're going to unpack five of them over the next few weeks. Ours is Enoch. So if you just scan ahead, verse 3, you can see verse 3 is talking about creation. By faith, we know that this universe came from, didn't come from nothing. Something caused it. Which scientists did not teach us 100 years ago? If you went to science class 100 years ago, what they would say is the universe has lasted forever. All the best authorities in the world say the universe has lasted forever. Until Einstein came and had his theory, which even he hated. So he put a fudge factor in his own equation to hide the fact it showed the universe had a beginning. Others found him out. Yes, the universe has a beginning, which Hebrews 11, actually 3 says it was created. There was a beginning of the universe. Thank you, Einstein. And then Hebrews 11, verse 4 talks about Abel. Abel was the anti-religion guy. What is religion? Religion is us working really hard to be accepted by God. God does not accept religion from anybody. You cannot work to be accepted by God. You believe God's word to be accepted. So he, he's the anti-religion guy. And then in, in verse 5 and 6, we see Enoch, our character. Who was Enoch? I'm going to grab your phone, take a photo of this, or write notes if you want. Who was Enoch? Uh, four quick chapters to write down. Here's a quick crash course on him. Genesis 5 is Enoch's genealogy. So we find out Enoch is the seventh person from Adam in the book of Genesis. Adam is the first. Seven generations, there's Enoch. His dad, Jared. His son, Methuselah. Great boy's name if you're pregnant right now, Methuselah. Uh, although the short version is meth. I'm not sure you want to call your son meth. I just realized that. Ignore what I just said. Uh, Luke chapter 3 is another chapter on Enoch. genealogy. I just saw that. Uh, he was at the privilege. I can stop laughing at this. Uh, he, had the, he had the privilege of being named in the actual uh, ancestor of Jesus Christ. Enoch was in that line. This is where Mary's genealogy is. Ma- uh, Joseph, the stepdad, is over in Matthew, his genealogy. Next chapter is Hebrews 11. We're going to see his faith day. Enoch believed God's word. He walked with the invisible God. Final chapter is Jude we'll look at today. There's, only, there's no number beside Jude. In the Bible, when you have only one chapter, you just say Jude. Jude, verse 14 15. Here we see his message. He was the first preacher of the gospel in history. He preached the coming of the Lord and judgment and please turn back to God Seven generations after Adam. And by the way, Enoch's genealogy, he was the great-grandfather of Noah. He was the great-grandfather. So he left a spiritual lineage in his great-grandson, Noah. Okay, that's Enoch now. Let's go back to Hebrews 11, verse 5 and 6. We're going to read these two verses just through, and notice the three words we're going to highlight. Enoch was taken. He pleased God because he believed God. Taken, pleased, believed. Hebrews 11 verse 5 says, by faith Enoch was taken. He was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, but without faith, It is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. All right, let's walk through those three words. There's a great lesson about, you know, walking with the invisible God can look foolish. Enoch certainly did that. That's what God calls us to do. Let's look at the first word, which is taken. 
And it says it three times, taken, taken, taken. And with all apologies to Liam Neeson, God is the one who has a particular set of skills. And when, when God takes you, when God takes you, nobody's going to get you back. Uh, here it says in Hebrews 11 verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken away he did, so that he did not see death. Can you imagine that? Only two people in history went from life into God's presence and didn't die. Give it a time, one of these days, I'm going to die, and so will you one of these days, unless the Lord returns. I'm going to die. We'll die by heart attacks, by strokes. We'll die by natural causes, cancer, accidents, other diseases. You're going to die. I'm going to die one of these days. Enoch did not see death. The other guy, by the way, in the Bible is named Elijah. Elijah went into God's presence without seeing death and was not found. They looked for him because God had taken him. Let's go back to the quote in the Old Testament. It's Genesis chapter 5, verse 24. Genesis 5, 24. Here's what the writer of Hebrews is quoting. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So what pleased God in Hebrews is that he pleased God back in Genesis. He walked with God, walking with God. The invisible God pleases him. What's it look like to walk with God, the invisible God? A friend of mine this week says every morning when he wakes up, he tries to recognize God as his first thought. God, thank you that I'm alive. Thank you for another day. And he thanks God for something. That's walking with God. Walking with the invisible God means you carve out time. If you believe that he is, he's right there. Like God is right in front of you right now. He's right beside you right now. He, we're, the invisible God, you, you actually carve out time for just you and him. And you just consult him, whether it's privately or even a group. You're talking to him. Lord, I, can you please do this? You pray. You watch. You read the Bible and use the Bible as your guidelines to make sure there's some promptings in life that are not from God. And the Bible will show you that's, that's not God. But God will prompt you. He will speak to you. Do you walk with the invisible God like this person, this grandparent on a fixed income? Take out your checkbook and give them money now. $1,000 right now. Walking with the invisible God can look foolish. Um, Jump over to Matthew chapter 24. Jesus talked about this moment that this picture is Enoch vanishing. is a picture of millions of people at the second coming of Christ that will vanish when God takes them. And so Enoch and Elijah were the number one and two, and then millions will join them and not see death, maybe us. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 40. Then, Jesus is talking, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, and the other left. Hey, Bob, can you hand me the shovel? Bob? Where'd Bob go? Man, that dude's fast. Gone. How about these ladies working at the mill? Two women, verse 41, will grinding at the mill. One will be taken. The other left. And imagine one of these days you're fumbling with your keys. I've got to get in. Where's that key for this thing? In God's presence. So, this is, so e- Enoch experienced this. Elijah experienced this. You're checking your phone. Yeah, I've got to get back to the person. I've got to check my schedule. In God's presence. It's going to happen one of these days. Or you'll die and enter God's presence. One of the two. Enoch was taken. By the way, if somebody ever tells you they know when the Lord's going to return and they name a day, you know one thing. 
He is not returning that day. Thank you for assuring he's not returning that day. So he says in verse 42, watch therefore. Watch for him. Don't fear the second coming. Look for the second coming. For you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. You don't know. A couple of verses earlier, he says, no one knows. So any Yehu's out there telling you, the Lord told me he was coming, guess what? He's not coming that day. All right. God, God took Enoch. Then, it's because he pleased him. So jump back in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, verse 5. Hebrews 11, 5 says this. By faith, Enoch was taken, taken away so that he did not see death and was not found. They looked for him because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. This is God's witness about him, that he pleased God. Have you decided to make sure God is pleased first and foremost in your life? It is the most important question of life. Enoch decided that. He, he pleased God. See, some of the challenges is, you know, uh, social pressure is huge. I feel it. You feel it. In group settings, how often in group settings? Because you want to be accepted. Do you change how you act, how you dress, what you say, based on social pressure? You know, online, you don't want people to not like you. But have you chosen that you're going to have God pleased with your life? Even yourself. Some of us, we struggle with, we want to please us. And the thought of pleasing God is scary to us because what if God doesn't want to do what I want to do? Paul, when he had the gospel, was going out and finding out. He was, even Paul faced this idea, do I want to make people happy or God happy? It's Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. He puts it perfectly. Galatians 1.10 says this. Paul asked with his new message, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? Ask yourself, is that who you're targeting to please? Is it God or men? For if I still pleased men, others, a certain person, yourself, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Paul says the moment you decide to please somebody else instead of God, yourself, that one person, that group of people, you are no longer in that moment a servant of Jesus Christ. And so it comes for all of us. Some of us, that's the decision we need to make today. We need to decide today, I'm going to please God first. But it's a continual battle, by the way, because social pressure keeps coming, friend pressure, people not agreeing with you, pleasing God first. Enoch had this, and he had a message to bring people back to God, just like Paul had a message. Enoch had a message. Enoch's message is in Jude, Jude verse 14 and 15, the first gospel preacher in history. Now, Enoch, verse 14, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, behold, the Lord comes. With ten thousands of his saints. He's, he's talking about the coming of the Lord. Seven generations after Adam. To execute judgment. What's his message? To execute judgment on all. God is just. and Every sin will be judged. To convict all who are ungodly among them. Of all their ungodly deeds. Which they have committed in an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I think his message was called, ungodly. 
Okay, ungodly people are out there doing ungodly things and an ungodly attitude, saying ungodly, harsh things, and God doesn't want that for you. Please return to God. He's coming with ten thousands of his saints. Enoch loved people, but he had chosen clearly by this message. He was more interested in pleasing God than pleasing people. Like Paul faced that, Galatians 1. Enoch faced that. Um, How about you? Would today be the day God's saying, it's time, it's time, no longer. Stop holding out on me. Believe the truth. Here's what you, you need to believe the truth that when you choose to please God first, everything is better. I'm not saying circumstances are. I mean, God, your audience of one, is pleased with you. And that matters first and foremost. That if he's pleased with you, that's most important. Enoch was taken, he pleased God, and then it's because he believed. Go back to Hebrews 11, verse 6 now, the word believe. Um, Hebrews 11, verse 6 says this. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Let that sentence sink in, let that phrase sink in. Okay, so without faith, it is impossible to please him. I'm praying so hard, I'm praying, praying, praying. Really, that's awesome. Are you believing by faith what God promises you? No, I'm really, I just, I, I don't really believe it, but I'm, pr- I'm trying. That's fantastic. Your prayer does not please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. I just try to be kind to people, kind to every single person. Let this see, what's well, awesome for people. Do you believe the promises of God? Well, no, I don't really, I'm kind. Well, other people are benefiting, but God is not pleased with that. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's not that you shouldn't do those things. It's the fact that you believe God first. You believe that he is here. God, I believe you are here. You believe you rose again. I believe you rose again. You believe he paid for sins. I believe he paid for all sins. You believe if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. I believe I'm totally forgiven. You believe, believe, believe. Then you do. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe two things. Number one, that he is, that he exists. Do you believe God exists? That's one thing you do today. Is say, what do I do about this message? Just right now, go to God and tell him, I believe you're here, that you exist. Jesus, I believe you're alive. You've risen. You believe that he is. And you believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I believe you reward those who seek you. Let's take those two phrases one at a time. We'll come back to this verse in just a second over here. So I went to a grace group on Tuesday. Some guys, they meet at Price Chopper, 7 a.m., and I asked these guys, hey, do people ever make fun of you for believing that God exists, that you follow Jesus? And so uh, one of the guys in the grace group named Brian said, well, I think people who say those things about you, who make fun of you, they say those when you're not around. And I, I told him, hey, I agree with you, by the way. I mean, we're in the Midwest. Midwest means niceness. We're not on the East Coast. You say this behind people's back. Okay. And then Joe, Joe in the grace group said, well, that his frat brothers, he was at an annual frat brother gathering, and one of the guys is not a believer in Jesus Christ. And so he actually said this to the Christians that were there. He says, I thought you guys, I thought you guys were too intelligent to believe in God. So there's outright, that's a man who has the safety 
and or boldness to tell his friends he thinks they're, they're not very smart, uh, to actually believe that he is, that he exists. But that's the thing. You can't even be- please God without believing that he is, that he exists, that he's there, and that he's a rewarder. This phrase honestly made the grace group uncomfortable because it sounds like, you know, the people that come to God to get stuff from him. That's really not God's heart here. This is not saying you come to God to get stuff. This means you believe that what you do in life matters to God. And you believe that he has promises that if you believe them, he will reward you by fulfilling his word. You believe first, he will do it. And there are certain promises, whether you believe it or not, he's going to do it. And God rewards those who seek him. He disciplines his children who disobey him. He prunes his children for things they don't need in their life anymore. Uh, he judges the sinners in this world. Like, he does all these. You believe that he impacts this world. One of the guys, he was uncomfortable with this reward thought and said, and I get it, me too. He said, uh, I don't think of it as a physical reward or monetary reward, but it's the peace inside of you, the joy inside of you that comes from no one but God. And several of the guys actually talked about answered prayers, the rewards of those who diligently seek him. One of the guys said when he was a little boy, his dad had died, his mom was very sick and couldn't take care of him. And right before he went to the state home, the state home, he prayed, dear God, send someone to help us. And God did. And sent him a great Christian foster parent later on that led him to a faith in Jesus Christ. Um, I, I agonized on what stories to tell you. I Literally, this message could go 10 hours um, of just stories God's done in the last several months. Um, so in that spirit, ushers, lock the doors! <laughs> in all of our locations, you're not getting out! No, I'm kidding you. I'm not doing that. Um, but I would say, um, you know, I, just, what is it like to walk with the invisible God? So my wife and I are praying this weekend. We are... Um, you know, we're praying more together these days than we ever have in our marriage, which is awesome. And um, a lot of times those things come with difficulty. Like they come because of difficulty. That you start following God more. You know how it goes. And then the, the goal is when the difficulty drops away, you don't drop away. All right? That's, that's the goal. God teaches you through difficulty. And so we've seen, we prayed for my son yesterday. And like 10 minutes after we prayed for my son about a very specific thing, my wife gives a text. Bing! Gives a text! Related to the very thing we were praying about. But that's the kind of stuff that God does. You walk with the invisible God, he does. If you keep your eyes open and you seek him, he does these things. So a few years ago, um, back in 2011, we attempted to adopt a little girl. We named her Zoe. Um, we had her for, I was her dad for 35 days until I turned her back over to her atheist father who had changed his mind. It was horrific. And later that year, I was going to teach on forgiveness in October. And I was struggling with forgiveness with this uh, birth mom and birth dad. So at the time, I was studying 2 Corinthians 2.7. I was going to teach forgiveness on the weekend. I clicked on the Greek word for rather or more in English for 2 Corinthians 2.7. And it popped up with the Greek word malone or malon. And as clear as day, this is a smaller paper, I blew it up. As clear as day, I heard God say, you're going to have a daughter someday. And her name is Malin. And I knew no one would believe you. In fact, some of you don't believe me. So I wrote it down, put on a little piece of paper, put it on my fridge. A year went by, nothing happened. Two years went by, nothing happened. Told my wife. And then we heard that the same birth mom, forgiveness, second chances, was pregnant. And um, 
told my wife, I, I know it's a girl. Her name is Mallon. She was named two, two and a half years before she was born. And we have a four-year-old now, and her name is Mallon. These stories you guys can have, from the small stories of the text message, boom, to the larger sport. God speaks all the time. One, one uh, final story. Um, so this year I was going through a, a difficult season emotionally, spiritually, and I'm, let me just state for the record, I'm not against this, but I'm not a frilly Christian card guy. I'm just not. Uh, people are like... That's awesome. So I, I, I went to the staff meeting and pulled off nine, they like 200 cards. And I'm like, I'm flipping through these Christian cards. Some people know me like, what is he doing? And so I'm, I'm, and one of the cards is like, you know, this beautiful outside. It says like, give, 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you. In the early days of my spiritual life, I would focus on the command. Give all your worries and cares to God. Okay, God, here they come. I'm going to obey your command. This worry, that worry, this worry. The changed Tim, the believing Tim says you focus on the promise first. The promise is that unfortunately at the end, he cares about you. I would take these cards and I would actually literally carry them around. I believe him. God, I believe, 1 Peter 5, 7, you care about me. I believe that. Just like the day I got saved, I would believe a promise. I believe that. I would believe the promise first. Then. I would do what it says. You believe first, then you do. Then I would go, okay, now I'm going to give my worries and cares to you in the spirit of already believing. That's what some of us need to do. We need to start believing the promise first and then talking to them. But as I went through these cards, I had nine of them. One of them said, you are precious to God. And I, uh, I knew where all the other verses were. Could teach them, could look them up. I'm like, where does the Bible say you're precious to God? I kind of was struggling also with me feeling that's truth about me. I'm precious to God. I need to look that up. The next night, I get a text message from one of my running buddies. Hey, preacher, uh, I thought of you. When, here, he sent me Isaiah 43, 1 to 4. One of my favorite verses now, sections. Isaiah 43, 1 to 4, he sent. He says, this, this passage says, when you walk through the fires, you may feel the heat, but you won't get burned. And when you go through the floods, you, may, you, you won't drown, but you may get soaking wet. So I looked it up. Verse 1, do not fear. Verse 2, when you walk through the fires, you will not be burned. Verse 4, because you are precious to me. This is the next night. Didn't stop there. That weekend, this person comes up to me. I hadn't talked to him for two years. I share a story with them. They share a story with me. I pull out my cards. I'm a card guy now, apparently. And I said, you are precious to God. I, I told him a story. Isaiah 43, 1 to 4. They said, you are kidding me. Yesterday in my journal. I haven't talked to him for two years. In my journal, I wrote the words, Isaiah 43, 1 to 4. God's precious thoughts of me. We are precious. Oh, it didn't stop there. Because the next week, we're singing a song. First time I heard this song. We're singing. I'm trying to learn the words of this worship song. It's called When the Fight Calls. And all of a sudden... We're singing the phrase, I'll walk through the fire and not be burned. I'm like, you are kidding me. I can't get away with this. That is God, God, God. Guys, this is available for you. It's one of the most exciting things in the world to walk the path of Enoch with the invisible God. It's exciting. You can have it today. 
what do you do? First of all, you believe. You believe God is. He's a rewarder. And you go back to certain promises you need to believe. You need to believe first. Secondly, you need to confess your sins. Sins act like putting God on silent mode. He still talks, but it's muffled. And so when you have a sin you are not turning from, you are not confessing, you have put God on silent mode. Please confess and turn from your sins. Turn to Jesus, confess those sins, and then listen and watch. If you're a diligent person, when a person makes a random comment, write it down. When you get this email, take a picture of this moment. Save it. Start tracking the hand of God. You can see the hand of God in your life. You'll have your stories. Your stories. Walking with the invisible God, just like Enoch, it can look foolish, but it's awesome. He loves you. He wants to give you your stories. Believe what he says. Confess and turn from your sins. And then listen. Watch. He'll speak to you and guide you. Let the Bible guide you with that too. Let's pray. Father, we pray you would guide us, move in our lives. We pray that you would, in people's lives, help them to believe confess sin, and listen. For those without Jesus Christ, may they come to you right now and confess you as Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We we pray, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.